Welcome to Bills by the Numbers, presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Coming up, Buffalo is second in the league in scoring. What's going on in the red zone? How good are the Bills in bounce-back games? Can Steve come up with answers on passing yard differential in the numbers game? And we ask our one burning question. Somebody snap the ball! Joining us here on Bills by the Numbers, presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Bills Wall of Famer Steve Tasker and Bills insider Chris Brown with you. And Steve, we begin with the Bills' point scoring potential. Currently second in the league in points. They've scored more than 30 in five of their six games played. But there is a part of the Bills' offensive execution that is lagged behind. Red zone touchdown efficiency for the Bills at just over 55%. That ranks 26th. In the league, after six games played, we should note that Buffalo leads the league in red zone opportunities. At 29, they're tied for fourth in total red zone touchdowns with 16. But 26, Steve, is not where they want to be in anything. So what the heck is going on there? Well, there's not too much going on. Uh, They're getting down. They're moving the ball all over everybody. They're getting down, and they've got more more opportunities than anybody. And you're right. I I think one of the things is, and I think at times, they've started to to rely a little too much on Josh Allen. And teams are starting to focus so much on him uh, and his play down there. I think that's been one thing that has really dropped their percentages a little bit from last year. Um, I think they, you know, the Bills use him so much as a running threat, and certainly that's huge down there. Yep. But I think they've kind of, I think they've stopped doing that a little bit. Even though, forget the fourth down, the fourth down attempt in in uh, Tennessee where they, they didn't get it, lost the game because of it, uh, because they couldn't convert that. Yep. I think they have started to re- let Josh play a little bit like other quarterbacks, where he sits back there, tries to find a guy, or hands the football off. I do think the fact that the Bills don't depend on their running backs much down in the red zone, I think if they did a little bit more of that and added another running threat other than Josh Allen, it would help him a little bit down there. Um, but I think they've kind of stayed with what was so successful last year and relying on Josh a little bit too much. And I think other guys, particularly the running backs, need to step up a little bit more than they have this year yet. And when you say rely on Josh, you mean with his arm more right. so than with his legs, which really made him a red zone conundrum for right. opposing defenses because there were times where he would run a student body right play or something like that. Uh, there'd be other times he'd drop, take a quarterback draw and run it into the end zone if the field opened up. And I thought that Brian Dable did a fantastic job last year of spreading out defenses horizontally, which afforded Josh those options to tuck it and run because he spread the field out, pulled linebackers out of the middle of the field to go cover a running back in a five-wide look. You know, it's 11 personnel, but they're empty backfield. And that spread the entire defense out and opened up those rushing lanes for Josh if the opportunity presented itself to exploit them. Right. We haven't seen it as much this year, I want to say. Not 100% sure why. It could be opponent-based, matchup-based, et cetera. Uh, But I'm curious to see where it goes from here. As you referenced, Steve, last week, the Bills' offense went 2 of 5 in the red zone against the Titans. You could argue it cost them a game, or the game, in half of their games this season. They have converted less than 50% of their red zone possessions with touchdowns in the red zone. Their best outing, 4-for-4 showing against the Dolphins 
in week two. And I'll remind everybody, there was tough running in that game by Zach Moss. They ran it in the red zone against the Dolphins. Yeah. So far this season, Zach Moss has taken almost 40% of the team's red zone carries with a total of 17 rushes for 51 yards. That's an average of three yards a carry, which may not wow you, but it's harder to run down there. Josh has taken just under 35% of the carries in the red zone, 16 for 53, an average of 3.3 per carry. A negligible difference there. Devin Singletary just over 18% of the workload down there. He's averaging 4.1 yards per carry, eight rushes for 53 yards. First, why don't we explain why it is critically important to be able to run the ball down there in the red zone. It, it's about creating space behind that defensive front. you you got to have a, you know throwing lanes. If you want to throw the football down there, you've got to make the defense pack it in. now, And they don't have to because the, the field becomes short. Mm-hmm. And it's less space. It, it, becomes, it becomes the space is horizontal rather than vertical for the first time on a football mm-hmm. field. You, know, you start back in your own end, you've got 99 yards of, you know, of field to stretch the, vertically. But when you get down in the red zone, the field becomes wide – and shallow rather than long and, and narrow. So that's one thing. And when you can run the football, it forces the defense to come in close to the ball before it's snapped and, and bear up. One of the things that you know, the stats you didn't mention, Josh has got two rushing touchdowns this year so far. Usually he's got like five or six at this point, right? I mean, they, they use him down there a yeah. lot more. They're really asking Josh to dissect the defense with his arm. You look at think of the Kansas City game when he when he rifled one through to uh, Emmanuel Sanders. They're late in the game. They really kind of put that one out of reach. They're they're really starting to turn into a more I don't know middle of the road or more NFL like other teams where they've got a quarterback that can sling it, not so much a runner. And I think that's one of the things. Listen, we don't want to push Josh down there because. It's hard to avoid contact when you're in the red zone. Yeah. Out in the regular field, let him run because he can always slide or, or do that. You can't do that in the red zone. It's a, it's a collision at the goal line almost every time if you're going to run down it's there. And they're asking Josh to do that, I think, less. And they're not asking Moss and Singletary to do it more. Well, yeah, that, and that, to me, is the quintessential give and take there. All right, you're going to have Josh run it less down there. Maybe you don't want to expose him to some monster hits, as you indicated. There's less space down there to avoid those hits. But it seems like they have not asked Moss or Singletary to pick up the slack for the rushes that Josh is not making. So there has to be some kind of give and take there or maybe a better give and take there because all these figures in terms of rushing, they're not terrible. I mean, 4.1 yards per carry in the red zone, that's good for Singletary. Even three yards a carry in the red zone is not horrible because the averages go down down there because of a lot of the things you just mentioned. There's less space. But I think there's got to be a run game there to at least uh, entice the linebackers to suck up and get closer to the line so you can then throw behind them if you can run it effectively down there, it's kind right. of it's kind of one of those things that we saw with Derrick Henry. They had yeah, the linebackers so convinced they were going to keep giving him the ball in the fourth quarter, they get sucked up, and all of a sudden AJ Brown is catching passes behind them at right. the second level and moving the sticks that way. I think they have the Bills have to take that kind of an approach in the red zone to afford Josh more opportunities at that second level behind the linebackers. Uh, by sucking them up to the line of scrimmage because they think, oh, here comes Moss between the right. tackles. Does that exactly, make sense? Yes, that's exactly right. And I, and I think when you get down to the red zone, the threat of – we've seen it play out over the course of the, the, you know, this era in the NFL. 
if you have a real threat to run the football in the red zone, it's a big, big problem for defenses. So everybody's trying to manufacture that threat so that the defense can be manipulated to throw it as well. Yeah. So that's – and that's where the Bills are right now. That threat has been Josh Allen, and now – for whatever reason, I, I don't think he's that same threat because I don't think the Bills are willing to put him in a threat in that position yeah, because they move the ball so well. You know, it's, they're going to be a red zone juggernaut because they're going to get so many opportunities. Yeah. They're already leading the league in scoring and all that. I mean, though, their is efficiency isn't what it should be, but their opportunities are are multiple. So they're, they're winning with quantity and not necessarily quantity. So let me run these numbers by you. Josh Allen passing in the red zone this season, 28 of 49, a 57% completion rate, 10 touchdowns, no interceptions. That's good in terms of decision-making. His 57% completion percentage ranks 21st in the NFL among starting QBs. Last season, 67% completion rate in the red zone. He ranked 10th. Buffalo was 12th last year in red zone efficiency, 61%. In 2019, they were 18th at 56%, which is kind of right where they are now. I can't believe I'm suggesting this, but Allen and his receivers, do they have to raise their level of consistency when it comes to finishing down there by the way the numbers look, or do they need more balanced play calling and we go back to the run game again? I don't think it's about the skilled players. I think it's about the guys up front. Okay. I think it's about the guys up front. If giving you, him time or needs, winning at the line of scrimmage or both. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. If you're going to throw it, you got to give him. It's just like in the regular. You almost the ball's going to come out a little faster because the field. You don't have to wait for routes to develop. But if you can't run it down there effectively and win the line of scrimmage, you're limited. You're limited. Yeah. You you can't run your offense. Uh, you can't threaten them with play calling or play selection that they know you can't execute right. against their defensive front. So I, I think that's. The crux of the issue right now is they need to win more at the line of scrimmage up front, down close than than they've been able to do. And yeah. and let's give it credit. They, you know, Titans are a really good front. Uh, the D Pittsburgh Steelers are a very good front. Um, even Washington, the football team, is a right. really good front. Yeah. So when you get they down were so close, good, they forced a lineup change. Right. So they've played some defensive fronts that have they have not been able to dominate or at least control even when they get down close. Yeah. So that, that'll skew the percentages against you, even though you're moving the football really well out in the field. And if that offensive line is lagging in terms of consistency of performance, as you suggest down there in the red zone, my suggestion of going empty down there becomes moot because if you don't believe those five guys can hold up, you can't empty the backfield. You need That's to leave right. somebody in there to protect and pick up blitzers because you know opposing defenses down there are more apt to blitz because yeah. they know the ball's coming out faster. they got to get home faster or at least disrupt it faster. Well, they don't have to worry about the lid getting taken off yeah. the defense and getting beat deep. But here's the, and here's the thing. It's, you, you said it. If, if you're not winning up front, if you're worried about your quarterback, you're not running your quarterback because he's too valuable to put him in there and have collisions at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. So if he's that valuable, you also want to protect him. So he don't yeah, want to drop back to pass. You don't want to empty yeah. because they'll just send six guys instead of five, and you're right back to square one where your quarterback's going to get whacked before he can get rid of the football. Yeah. So it's when you start protecting your quarterback at all costs, you start giving up concessions to the defense. If they want to send one more than you've got in the backfield, you're gonna he, he's going to get hit or he's going to go down. And in this case, I know even in this day and age, Al, 
you know, Al Davis said it. Your quarterback's going to go down, and he's going to go down hard. Yeah. That's the philosophy of the defense. And if you're trying to protect that guy because he's so valuable to you, you don't want him to run the football, you're going to give something up to those guys. Yeah. And for all of you listening that are saying, wow, what are we worried about here? They're second in the league in scoring. They're scoring plenty of points, 30 points in five of their six games. What are we so worried about with the red zone? I'll just throw this at you, okay? Last year, according to Sharp Football Analysis, Warren Sharp is a big numbers guy. We hope to have him on this podcast in the not-too-distant future. Red zone touchdown efficiency was at a 10-year high last year, 62%. Taking it a step further, 74% of all touchdowns have been scored in the red zone in the past 10 years. Simply put, you've got to finish on the other side of the goal line when you're inside the opponent's 20-yard line, knowing that three-quarters of the points in this league are scored down there in the form of touchdowns. Okay, time now for the numbers game, where we quiz Steve on a statistical category or a top-10 list and see how well he can do in coming up with answers. After all the talk that we just had about Red Zone, I thought I'd lighten the mood a little bit, ask you the top 10 teams in passing yardage differential. I know, pretty random. Um, the top 10 teams who have the widest margin, Steve, of yards between their own passing yards. And the team, they, the defensive passing And the passing yards of their opponents. Right. So here we go. Let's fire it up. You're looking for high-efficiency passing teams who also have pretty good pass defenses. That's probably the best bit, way to get here. And I'll say this, too. It has to do, if I, if I knew it, their opponents they've matched up with as well. Well, yeah. Who so can't throw. favorable schedules here through the first six games. Top ten teams in passing yardage I'm say differential. Buffalo. Buffalo is number one, Steve. That is the number one Imagine answer that. on the board. 602 is their passing yardage differential. 602 I will say yards. Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are on the list at number eight. Correct. Two for two, the Steve. Chargers. Chargers are on the list. Number three. 486. Plus 486. Green Bay. Green Bay is in at number 10. Plus 165. I four am, for four. You are on fire. I'm kicking ass and taking names right now. <laughs> Here we go. I will say Arizona. Arizona's number five, plus 345. What numbers do I have? One, you have number one, three, number three, number five, number eight, and number 10. All right. I will say halfway there. Baltimore. Baltimore is not on this. <sighs> See, I knew that was a reach. All right. I'll say differential. Oh, Kansas City. Kansas City is number nine, only plus 187, really. Think about this. Kansas City is plus 187. The Bills are plus 602. 100 yards a game, we're up. Okay. New Orleans. New Orleans is not on this list. Struggling with right. Mr. Winston. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is number four, plus 359. You've got three remaining, Steve. Can you go for the sweep here? Two of these are kind of under the radar. I wouldn't anticipate you guessing these. So they are two of the harder ones. I will say... Like if somebody asked me which would be the last one Steve would guess, two of these are here. So... Any, uh, no, uh, New England. Not New England. That was, that was, oh, Dallas. Not Dallas. Really? I was surprised. I was very surprised by that. They give up yards, just not a lot of points. Minnesota. Dallas. Minnesota. 336, correct. Number six on the list. So you have number left. seven left. 
and the team that is right behind the Bills at number two. But these are the two most surprising teams that I found on this top 10 list of passing yardage differential. Vegas. Las Vegas is number two. Very good, Steve. Plus 496. How about that? I didn't realize that was a shot, a shot, a shot play for me. I'm glad I got it. <laughs> All right, last one, and it's number what? Number seven. Come on, you can do this. I have faith in you. Nine out of ten, Steve. Run the table. Come on. The Cincinnati Bengals. It is not the Cincinnati Bengals. That's an excellent guess, though, because their defense is better than I think people are giving them credit yeah. for. Oh. And Joe Burrow's throwing. He's, you know he's got two passing touchdowns in all six games this year? It's got to be a team like like Pittsburgh. Not Pittsburgh. It's an NFC team. All right. Carolina? It is Carolina, Steve. Really? Well done. Wow. Number seven on the list at plus 285. We gotta mark that down. Steve's gotta get a little trophy or something. He ran the table on a top ten list. I missed, yeah, I missed. And it's not like he guessed twenty times. Yeah. He probably only had like I had four 14, or five 15 misses. guesses. I had four or five Very good. Misses, yeah. Any guesses to who would be last in the league in passing yardage differential? Any guess? Houston. Horrible. Like it's not Houston. I couldn't believe it. Oh, Detroit. It's Chicago. <laughs> Minus. 609. There, listen. So the Bills are plus 602 in passing yards differential to lead the league. Chicago minus 609. And they're three and three. Because <laughs> they have a defense. Yeah. They're they're like number eight in I don't the think NFC right. They would be one shot, one spot out of the playoffs if it ended today, and they're minus 609. Wow, that's that's unbelievable. All right. So good job. All right. That, that might have been your best I'm, performance ever I'm in the numbers good game. About myself. Well done. We now move on to one burning. Question. The Bills now have the bye week to sit and think about their loss to the Titans on Monday Night Football. We saw them rebound in a resounding way from a difficult loss last year at the hands of Arizona. And that game also went into a bye. They came out of the bye, won their last six games, most of them by wide margins, Steve. Could they go on a win streak again coming out of the bye just like last year? Um. I don't know, just like last year. They won like 10, right? Well, they won six in a row down the stretch. Nine of their last 10 on the season. But coming out of that bye, they ripped off six wins to end the regular season and then obviously won two playoff games in addition to that before losing to the Chiefs. So the question, the one burning question, could they go on a win streak again coming out of the bye like last year? Six in a row. Six in a row? Well, the sixth sixth game is Tampa Bay. Well, and it is. No, I don't think so. I don't think they'll do that. What do you think is realistic in terms of a streak? I, they went four and two in the first six weeks. I think they'll go four and two in the second six weeks. Do you think they win their next four straight? Yes, I do. I do. I think they beat the Dolphins. I beat the Jaguars. They beat the Jets. And the Colts will be a really good football game. Mm-hmm. But it is in Buffalo. It will be November 21st, just before a short week headed to Thanksgiving against New Orleans. Yeah. I think those two games, New Orleans, the Colts, I think they go one and one in those two games. Either they win the Colts and yeah. lose the Saints or they or they you know what I mean? The reason I worry a little bit about the Colts game is because of Jonathan Taylor and another very good offensive line. 
Right. We saw what happened at the line of scrimmage in the Monday night game against the Titans. Physical matchup. The Titans clearly played more physical than the Bills in that game at the line of scrimmage. I think the Colts offensive line has the capability to do that as well and determine the tempo of the game. And Jonathan Taylor is a thoroughbred. I mean, that kid, I still don't think he gets enough credit. He's 228 pounds, and he runs a 4.39. I mean, it is straight line type speed, much like Derrick Henry. He's not going to make you miss in the hole and shake you out of your shoes. But he is a major threat there. And it looks like Carson Wentz is playing better. So yes. that's the potential speed bump there in this and next the, stretch of game. And I think the Colts, having started 1-4, and four, now 2-4, and four, they're going to kind of gather themselves. I think, I think they were a playoff team last year. They gave the Bills all they could handle last year with Phillip Rivers at quarterback. I think they're a team, much like Buffalo has been in the past, where they're, and I think Buffalo is the same way. These teams are going to be very different in a month and a half, which is where we're sitting before this game. It's a, it's a month away uh, or five weeks away. So they're going to be very different by the time they get there. And I think the Colts will have climbed or may have climbed, may climb out of that hole that they've dug themselves, although they've got a bear of a schedule of yeah. which, you know, Buffalo's a part of it. Um, yeah, I think, I think, I, like I've said, I think the Saints or a team, the Buffalo, at least the coaching well, staff. it's tough to play down there, short week. Yeah. You're going to probably be coming off a very physical game against the Colts. Right. You might be hanging a little for that. Now, if the Bills do beat the Colts and if they're healthy, because the Bills are going to be really healthy coming out and playing the Dolphins, Jackson, and Jacksonville, depending you know what happens. They're going to be very healthy coming into this. With the exception of Dawson Knox. We've got one guy with a busted hand. Um, yeah, I think the, the Bills are poised to make a run here. And if they get through the Colts and the Saints and head into the Patriots on a five-game winning streak, yeah, that's a, that's a game you'll want to see. The Bills are 4-0 and under Sean McDermott coming out of the bye week with an average margin of victory of 6.5 points. They also have not lost two in a row, Steve, since their back-to-back -back losses in Week 5 and 6 last year to the Titans and the Chiefs. We now turn to our fantasy pick of the week. Steve, this is a big bye week for a lot of teams with quality fantasy players. The Bills, the Cowboys, the Chargers, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, even Jacksonville. Uh, so who do you turn to in order to get a roster hole filled? FanDuel, of course, who are experts in both daily and weekly fantasy. So I'm going to go, Steve, with Mecole Hardman from Kansas City. I know he's on rosters in some deeper leagues, but he hasn't shown he can provide reliable production until recently. And the reason why is because Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, they carry the load there in the passing game. But if you need right. a flex player option, he has been trending up. Last two weeks, 17 targets, 13 receptions, 138 yards. So he is my waiver wire pickup of the week. Who do you have, Steve? Tight end, Zach Ertz. Really? The Arizona Cardinals just picked yeah. him up. They'll want to see if he can play for them, and they're playing the Houston Texans. Ooh. Who just released Whit Merciless, yeah, their Whitney linebacker. Merciless, yeah. Um, yeah, I think Zach Ertz might be the shiny new toy that Cliff Kingsbury gives Kyler Murray, saying, let's see what this guy can do and give him a chance for some targets this week yeah. in Houston or against Houston. That's a pretty good pick. And, you know, we were talking about how Josh is running less particularly in the red zone. Kyler Murray is running a lot less. I think he's got 38 rushing yards on the season.
Last year, he had 11 rushing touchdowns. Right. So he's changed his formula in their passing game, too. It just hasn't slowed them down in the win-loss column. Those fantasy picks of the week brought to you by FanDuel make every moment more. Public service announcement. You can watch and listen to us on the Bills' YouTube channel, but don't do that if you're driving in your car. Instead, listen to us on Spotify, Google Play, and all of your favorite podcast platforms. And be sure to subscribe so you know when our next episode is available for your selection. And remember, when you need to know about the Bills, you need to go with Bills by the Numbers. Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. We'll see you next week, everybody.